Here's an excerpt from a recent Investing Experts conversation. Julian Lynn, welcome back. It's always great to have you on. You run an investing group called Best of Breed Growth Stocks. As many may already know on Seeking Alpha, you talk about a, a number of different sectors over there. But today, I, I think that we should focus on tech stocks and, and what's going on over there. Um, I wanted to start with Palantir. It's a stock you covered. Victor Durganov was on a few months ago talking about Palantir, how it can go as low as $7 and he's still going to be buying it because it's going to go high and he's long-term extremely bullish on that stock. I'm curious how you would articulate your bullishness on that stock in particular, and then if you'd care to articulate your thoughts on your uh, the other kind of main stocks that you're bullish on. Yeah, Palantir is a very controversial stock, very, very popular among growth investors. I think I think with Palantir, um, for much of its life, it, it seems like a lot of investors in Palantir seem to care very little about the valuation which may add to some of its notoriety over more conventional value investors. But the way I view Palantir is that it is an implementer for you know, artificial intelligence and uh, deployments. It's always been in this kind of space. And so this rise in generative AI has only helped increase you know, the demand for Palantir services. And I... I as I detailed in a past article, public article on Palantir, I believe that they will eventually have what I call an NVIDIA moment, meaning at just there, there will be a moment where the company shows in the fundamental results that the demand has arrived, you know, that customers are coming and they're trying to very aggressively deploy more generative AI applications. But the interesting point with Palantir is that it, that none of this has arrived yet. Um, so there's some impatience there, but even though revenue growth has been slowing, they have still been able to deliver incredible improvements in profitability. I, I still remember when it IPO'd uh, just several years ago, uh, a big bearish point was that it wasn't really profitable, right? The company has always been generating high free cash flow margins. Uh, so it was very low financial insolvency risk, but a lot of that cash flow was due to the fact that equity compensation was so high. And that, that's another topic <laughs> investors like. But now that Palantir is profitable on a gap basis, you no longer could make that argument anymore, right? So even inclusive of any equity-based compensation, they're still generating real gap operating profits. And their gap net income is even higher than gap operating profits because they have a large net cash position and no debt. So they've they now have a bulletproof balance sheet, very strong cash flow structure. Uh, but what's left is mainly just the valuation does not make a whole lot of sense if my thesis on, you know, an acceleration revenue growth does not happen. So yeah, it, it remains a controversial stock, perhaps even more controversial now that the stock is performing so strongly um, as of late. Um, but I think that I, I think that there are legitimate reasons to be optimistic, you know, for that name. And you don't think that there's the proof is in the pudding at this point. You think there's still further to go? Yes, absolutely. I think, well, they obviously deserve credit for making that transition to gap profitability, but 
I mean, I, I, at my core, I still care deeply about valuation. If revenue growth is, continues trending downwards and gets to like 12%, 10%, 9%, the, value, the current valuation does not quite make sense. Um, just that, that, that it doesn't, it, it would be a little bit too rich. Um, the current valuation is clearly pricing in, I mean, assuming, assuming the smart money's in this, is clearly pricing in an acceleration to the 20%, 25% level um, at some point over the next coming quarters. I think, per, I guess, I guess one thing I could say is Palantir investors, they, they might want to be concerned if growth is not accelerating meaningfully over the next, you know, one, two quarters. Um, that might, that, that, that might be a red flag that growth might never reaccelerate based on this generative AI thesis. In which case you think that it would be time to get out of the stock. Yeah. And at, at that point, I would definitely need to adjust my bullishness for the stock, just given especially if the stock is still trading, you know, anywhere close to where it's currently trading today. Any any uh, thoughts on your other tech favorites? Yes, I think that it might be difficult to name, you know, a compelling small medium cap name, just given that valuations are just so much more rich, you know, relative to 12 months ago. 12 months ago, you could have just thrown a dart at a board and you could have come up with a pretty attractive thesis for almost any name, you know, uh, but now, now, right now, you know, I, I think overall the tech sector will perform strongly, but the average tech stock, and they're kind of more fairly valued. I think my top picks in the tech sector are still going to be some of those mega cap names. I like both meta platforms and alphabet, uh, for similar, but also different reasons. Uh, it's it's interesting that Meta Platforms is now trading at a premium to Alphabet, uh, whereas it typically had traded at a discount. Um, a lot of that is due to the fact that Meta Platforms has been executed very, executing very strongly. Uh, they delivered an incredible year of efficiency uh, this year. For example, their their uh, family of apps profit margins is over fifty percent, which is which is quite stunning. Obviously, their overall margins is being pulled back due to their ongoing investments in the metaverse. But even then, their profit margin is still very high overall. And Meta Platforms has shown that they are a huge artificial intelligence beneficiary. As you know, as a customer of their own artificial intelligence, they they have been able to overcome the competition threats from TikTok, overcome the data privacy changes from iOS. Largely due to AI, and I, I personally use a lot of their products, uh, Facebook and Instagram. I have noticed um, how they have been able to recommend posts that I don't follow. That's and that's all AI. That's it's quite incredible how strongly they've executed at Meta platforms, and the stock is still trading at compelling valuations, um, especially if you back out on the Reality Labs losses, you know, just to try to get a better sense of what you're paying for that Instagram and Facebook. On the other hand, Alphabet, Alphabet's trading a bit lower, just largely due to the perception that it is losing market share in search, you know, with Bing having that chat GPT first mover advantage um, and Google's uh, Bard maybe being still subpar uh, at this point. Um, but so there, there's a couple of things with Google. One, obviously valuation. Uh, this this is a name that's trading qu very quite cheaply, um, and that's even before 
accounting for its large other bets losses. Um, but I think people are underestimating the, the high moats um, at Google. But more importantly, what I don't see being talked about much is the fact that Google has not done the same aggressive cost cutting seen at something like meta platforms or other tech names. If I recall there, they only laid off around 3% of the workforce, which relative to maybe the 30% layoffs at meta platforms indicates that if Google were, you know, were inclined, you know, they could always have that lever up their sleeves to even to make to further increase their earnings, and then the stock will be even more cheap. So I think that there are some, in spite of the perhaps relative bearishness on the name due to the competitive threats on Bing and the ongoing lawsuits, you know, the DOJ and its um, payments to Apple. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to like Alphabet over the next over a five year time horizon. And any thoughts in terms of what they may not continue to do right at Google and at Meta platforms? For Meta platforms, at this point, um, they're firing on all cylinders. But the main, the main potential issues might be one: uh, the company might invest too heavily in Reality Labs uh, without much return. Um, that that's definitely an important risk that might be rising just given that the comp the stock has been performing so well, ironically, their profit margins are increasing at the family of apps. Perhaps management might see those two as justifying increasing the aggressiveness in their metaverse investments. Um, and at Alphabet, the main, the main possible issues might be if they're unable to um, prove that search is um, a business with high moats and high barriers to entry. If it turns out that search is just a commodity and, you know, let's say Apple removes Google as a default search provider and Apple users are very okay with either being or maybe a future unreleased Apple search product, then that would be a big problem at Alphabet, largely out of their control. Um, what is going to happen at the DOJ and what happens with Apple? I've always had the hunch that Apple is developing their own search product. I think at some point um, they are going to be, they are not going to be the default search engine for Apple. You know, they're going to maybe save on some fees, but they're going to have to seat some market share. I, I think it's inevitable. I mean, it just, it just never made, it never really made sense why Apple would not own search. You know, they, they try to own everything else of their product, but they don't own search. I think at some point that will happen. I think that there's enough levers for margin expansion at Google. There's a lot, it's a very big market in terms of the long tail end secular growth opportunity. The, the current valuation is quite attractive that even as the Apple threat un happens over the next you know 10 years, you know, I, I think the stock still is quite compelling, attractively valued. And, and I know that this Apple threat is not even really the focus of Wall Street at this point. Appreciate it, Julian. Appreciate another great conversation. Happy for you to share with investors any final thoughts that you may have on the market or on this specific sector. Sure. Yeah, I think um, I guess some important takeaways would definitely be to not just view you know tech stock as being in a bubble. I think there's a lot more nuances to it. Definitely need to keep in mind that the profitability profiles is dramatically different now than. Just two, just one, two years ago, I think that valuations are also much more reasonable. So at the very least, 
I find it dangerous. It, it would be very dangerous to be shorting the mark, the tech sector overall. Um, and if any listeners are interested in, you know, more of my overall portfolio, which tends to be more growth oriented, but not necessarily tech oriented. Yeah. As, as, as you mentioned, I, I do run a investing group on seeking alpha called best of breed growth stocks. You get access to the best of breed growth stocks portfolio, as well as the universe, which is a watch list of all of the names that I follow. Yeah. Otherwise I am also available on seeking alpha. If you're a serious investor, here are three reasons you should be using seeking alpha. We're the only platform with coverage of all significant stocks and ETFs, the only platform providing news analysis, ratings, and data on stocks and ETFs, and we have the highest quality community of real investors discussing stocks and ETFs. Find out more at SeekingAlpha.com slash subscriptions. Just a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast should not be considered investment advice. This is for entertainment purposes only, and you should seek advice from a licensed professional before investing. If you enjoyed the episode, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcasting app, and we'll see you soon with a new episode.